0: You're listening to Do The Damn Thing, episode 10. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Do The Damn Thing podcast. My name is Liz Heron, and I am your personal cheerleader, helping you get off your butt and on your way to trying something new, facing your fears, or realizing your dreams. No matter what your damn thing is, whether it's asking for a raise at work, organizing your house, getting out of that toxic relationship, or pursuing your passion project, This show will provide you with real-world, tangible tips and inspiration so you can live the life you deserve. If you're ready to do the damn thing, then you have come to the right place. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now let's jump in. Hi, friend. How are you doing today? Well, it's finally feeling like winter here in Southern California, meaning that it's dipped below 70 degrees but all the lights are up and the holiday parties have started. And I really love this time of year. Um, it's just, it's one of my favorites, but it can also be really stressful. I don't know about you, but this time of year has always brought up my money anxiety, especially around debt or not having enough or not being able to, you know, kind of shower everyone I love with all the presents all the time. And, uh, And then feeling this anxiety about either going into debt over that or not being able to do that, which is why I really love today's conversation with Sarah Lee Kane about money and mindset. It's pretty timely for me. Sarah is a finance writer, author, holistic money mentor, and co-host of the Beyond the Dollar podcast. Her work blends practical tips and mindset strategies so that those trying to change their financial life can see themselves in the starring role. And who doesn't want to do that? (laughs) She also integrates physical, spiritual, and mental wellness so that money becomes a tool to enhance people's lives. Because at the end of the day, that's all money is. It's a resource. We're the ones that give it power and energy with our thoughts and our attitude toward it. And that's something that's really crystallized for me a bunch, like a lot this year. I had so many aha moments in talking with Sarah, and I hope you do too. So let's dive in. Thank you again for being here and for getting up early, even though I know you you are an early bird, so that's good.
1: Yep. I've already been up for, I think, four hours now, so...
0: <laughs> that's right, because you're on the East Coast. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, I slept in a little bit today because um, my son's baseball team won, they were in a, a tournament this past weekend, and they, you know, won the championship game last night, so we were out a little bit later on a Sunday than we are usually, so... Um, so yeah, I slept in and and got up at. Uh, I slept in until about four forty five today. That's pretty. That's pretty nice. Yeah, <laughs> Feel, yeah, feeling like a slacker. I didn't get up at my usual four, but anyway. Yeah, let's. Say, for folks that don't know you, um, can you give us a little bit of background on who you are and and what you do?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm Sarah Lee Kane. I am. I work in the finance niche. So I primarily do content marketing writing for big companies. So Lending tree is one of them. Credit Karma is another one of them. I'm also a holistic money mentor. So what that means is I create things. I used to do one-on-one coaching, um, not anymore, but I create things to help people get out of their own way and to give themselves permission to live an amazing financial life.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: Yeah. Oh, sorry. One more thing. I apologize. Um, I'm also the co-host of Beyond the Dollar. So Garrett Philbin is a money coach. And so we chat a lot about money, money mindset, life changes that happen and how that affects your finances.
0: Okay. And then how did you get like started or interested in, in the money niche and money coaching?
1: Very accidentally. I... <laughs> did not I mean, like care about finances way. at yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> so very funny. And everyone thinks it's it's hilarious. Every single member of my family, and I mean, extended family is either an accountant or works at a bank or somehow related to finances. And I decided to be a rebel and get a liberal arts degree. Yeah. And I was like, I am never ever going to be in the finance industry. And so what ended up happening, I got into debt in my I think early to mid 20s, I was broke, I had no job at that point, I was $9,000 in credit card debt. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, what what's going on? How did I get myself into this mess? And so I was almost forced to learn how to manage my money. Better. Mm -hmm. And then um, professionally, I was still a teacher. So a lot of the personal finance stuff, it was really just basically I needed to know is like an as needed basis. How I got into freelance writing, I did that for fun. I was actually writing for textbook companies. And then somebody approached me to write about money. And I thought, okay, let me give this a shot. And that was about, I think, six years ago. And then I decided to turn that into a full time thing. And now I geek out about money and
0: spreadsheets all day long. (laughs) That's awesome. Money is such a hot button issue. I mean, as you know, it's such a hot button issue Mm -hmm. and it's so, it just feels so heavy sometimes. So I just wanted to kind of talk about that and and debt. And to your point, like, I love your show because you guys do talk about mindset a lot and like, it's very practical. Like it's a little woo woo, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) For a long time, I thought it was just numbers. Like I just had to figure out how to make the numbers on that spreadsheet work. That's got to be the key. And that's got to, I just have to figure out how to make these numbers work. But there is a bit of spirituality and I call it woo woo, right? That goes into money, like mastering money or getting, you know, kind of like I guess being at peace with your money. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about how important that is and, and mindset is when it comes to money matters. Because I love that you guys on your show mix a little bit of both. Like you really do talk about money mindset, but also like just practical stuff.
1: Sure. So I'll talk a little bit about my debt story to anybody who hasn't. Um, heard it in other podcasts or our own is, so how I actually got into debt, I moved to Australia for a job and my boyfriend moved with me. And so I ended up pretty much taking care of him. I paid the rent. We went on trips across Australia and New Zealand and I just stuck it all on a credit card. So moved back thinking, oh, he's going to propose to me. I'm going (laughs) to buy a house. I'm going to get a job. Yeah. Right. And guess what happened? He broke up with me. Right. And So I didn't have a job. It was a little bit difficult. So whoever um, is in the education industry knows that there's certain times of the year that teachers are hired. And so I came back a little bit too late to actually get a full time job. So no job prospects. I was in credit card debt. I basically had to ask my mom if I could move back in with her. Um, I ended up getting a job, I think at the Gap and a couple of restaurants I worked at when I was in college. And so it was a very humbling experience. And I grew up with accountants, Mm -hmm. right? With spreadsheets, I know all the terminology. So I knew the number side of things. So it was really like, how did I get myself in that situation? So it took a long time for me to figure this out. It was really, ultimately, I was chasing this idea of this romantic relationship that obviously that wasn't the romantic relationship I was looking for, but I was so caught up in that fantasy that i use money to chase it. And so if you think about it, that has nothing to do with the numbers. It's all emotions. It's all about my idea of self-worth and being in a relationship kind of confirming that, right? And so i think when people are in debt, you know, think even like student debt or credit card debt, there's a lot of shame around it and it has nothing to do with making the numbers work. It really has to do with how you feel about the fact that you're in debt. And for many people, their net worth equates their self-worth, right? Like the, the more negative your balance is, the more, um, you know, so for some people they think they're not as worthy, which is not true at all, right? It, but it for many of us, it's so difficult to separate those two.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I even, I find that with myself and like I have, you know, student loan debt and, and credit card debt. And it's funny because I look at my credit card debt and I know that like it's not a lot, but there's something about it that just... Um, you know, that whole like, oh, like I should have paid off that by now. Or even like with my student loans, like it's interesting because I, loved my college experience I don't regret the school I went to and or those years at all but there's still something about like making that payment that it's just like uh and I know I've been working on changing that right and trying to be more grateful about when I write that check or when I make that payment and around not having any shame around it and kind of remembering the good either the good things that the credit card allowed me to do or you know again those years in college
1: yeah, it's it's so interesting when we think about any financial decision. It's like when we regret something or when we feel bad about something, it's it's a judgment on the decision-making process. It has nothing to do with the money. So, I remember when I was paying back that debt, I again felt very shameful about it. I was really just saying really bad things about myself and it was it really had to do with like man, Sarah, you were just like, this was stuff I was telling myself like, oh man, Sarah, you're just so stupid. Yeah. Like, how could you do this to yourself? It hadn't, and I'm not, I'm not saying it had nothing to do with the debt, but it was what the debt represented.
0: Yeah, yeah. And how, so how did you get over that?
1: So one of the things I really had to work on was just forgiveness, and this is like a little bit <laughs> yeah. woo for many people as well, but it was, it was really like, okay, I made a decision that I thought was best for me at the time. Like hindsight is 2020. If I were to go back knowing what I know now, back to my twenties, I yeah, I wouldn't have done any of those things, but I wasn't where I was in my twenties. And so I just really say, okay, I thought this person was the one. I thought that this was gonna make me happy and I made decisions based on that. And so now that I know better, I can make different decisions moving forward. So I just it was like a lot of psyching myself up, like, okay, it's okay. I'm forgiving myself. It's really cheesy when you When you first start doing it, that I think you just kind of need to repeat it over and over again until that that happens. Something else that I do, again, when I first started doing it, I felt so fake, was anytime I paid um, a, a balance on the credit card, I would go back and remember the things that I paid for and how happy that made me feel. And so it kind of convinced myself that okay, I did make some good money decisions. Like, yeah, I spent money on gas to drive around New Zealand. That was an amazing trip. I still talk about it years later. So, yeah, you know what? That money wasn't all bad. It was just I just stuck it on a credit card. Right? Again, it was just a decision that I made.
0: I I really do like that, and that kind of leads into my next question because I know that you and I are both fans of the um, five minute journal, Mm -hmm. and I actually use that you know every morning just to kind of. Yeah, just to kind of jumpstart my day and, and start it with gratitude. And so I'd like to talk a little bit more about that because that idea of like right, being grateful for the experiences that have brought you and, and kind of attaching that positive thing to it. And so you get to talk about a little bit of gratitude and why that is so important when it comes to right, like first clearing out your debt, but then also kind of moving forward with what you have.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's again one of those really cheesy practices and people are like, oh, five minutes, like how's that gonna help? But it 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 just It's just like a really good, if you think about it, if you're not like into the woo, just think like you want to psych yourself up for success. And all of these tactics are really to help psych you up for success in whatever form that looks like. And this is something I still go through where I compare myself to other people and I see all the success they have, you know, how much they earn, the beautiful big house. And then I go, oh, I live in a tiny apartment. Oh, man, like I can't have this garden or my son doesn't know his I don't know, words yet, right? So I'm now thinking I don't have enough. And it's when we start comparing ourselves that we get into that mindset of like, I need more, I need to buy more, I need to do more, I need to be more. But when you do the gratitude practice, you realize like you have so much already. And maybe you're living the life that somebody wants to live. And so I'm always grateful. I'm I'm sitting in the middle of a really messy apartment right now, but I am immensely grateful that I don't have that much to clean. It sounds so weird, right? But I'm immensely grateful. No,
0: that's a great way to turn yeah. it. Yeah, that's a great way to turn it around. So
1: I'm immensely grateful. Like, you know what? Probably take me 20 minutes to pick up a few things here and there and my my apartment will be clean again. Or um, you know, I reached a, I reached a yearly income goal of mine this year, and I'm really grateful. And and so it was really interesting because next month I'm lining up my um, my client work and I was going to kind of push. For more. And I thought, no, like what I'm doing is enough and it's okay to not need to earn more. I'm in a very comfortable position, not to say that I'm, you know, totally eliminating client work, but I can step back a little bit and enjoy what I've done all year.
0: That's great. And I think that that was another thing I wanted to talk about was the comparison trap and that Mm -hmm. idea that, you know, we're Mm -hmm. always looking at other people as kind of either benchmark or right. Like this idea of like, well, they've got something that either I should have or why, yeah, why don't I have that? Have you found gratitude to be a way to really counterbalance that? Because I find like it's it's hard. It's hard to kind of stop yourself when you're doing it and then kind of redirect.
1: Yeah. So something else that has really helped me and I can't take credit for it. I I, actually it was oh, this John Morrow is a big. um, So for any of you who don't know who John Morrow is, he is the founder of Smart Blogger. And he has earned, I think, a total of, I think, $10 million from blogs, an insane amount. And oh, wow. everyone's like, oh, man, I wish I could be him. But if you think about it, he cannot move below his neck, anything below his neck, right? He has had, you know, he's been fighting with Medicare, Medicaid, like he had to move to Mexico in point to afford healthcare. And so there was a really interesting article that he wrote. It was called, you know, Seven Lessons from a Guy Who Can't Move Anything But His Face. And he was really talking about the idea of like, somebody out there has something that you want, but think about the sacrifices or what they had to do to get it. And so I remember um, I visited a friend and her house is beautiful. And I thought, oh man, I want a house like this. Then immediately I thought, okay, do I want the mortgage payment that she's been paying? do I want to worry about my son drawing all over the walls and the immaculate all white house and cleaning it up? Right. (laughs) Like, so I started thinking about that. And again, it's not to dismiss that my friend's house, right. It's more thinking about like turning it inward and saying like, do I want to do all those things to get that? And number two, is it even what I want? Right. That's a really big question is like, okay, I want this six-figure job or I want to go on a cruise, right? Great. Other people are happy about that stuff, but is it really what you want? And if it is, think about the sacrifices and the work that it does take to get there. And if you're not willing to do it, then maybe find something else that you do want to do and that can make you happy.
0: Yeah. Or the idea of like, what is it? about that? Like, what does that represent that you mm-hmm. want? Right? Like, exactly. oh, do, you, do you think yeah. like having a big house means security? Or, you know, like, I find that that's helpful for me when I start to fall into that trap is like, what is it that is appealing about that to me? Okay, well, how do I get that in my life without, you know, without that giant mortgage payment, or mm-hmm. so just to kind of identify, because sometimes it's just the feeling and you think like, oh, if I had that, I would feel secure, or, I would feel free. And then kind of just, I you know, identifying how can I feel that way right now? Without that.
1: Yeah. And and it's okay to be specific. Yeah. It's okay to be specific. So, something very specific that my husband and I talked about for about a year now is buying a house by the beach. So, that's something that we, we really ask ourselves do we want this? Right. How much is it going to cost? Yeah. Um, are we willing to pay for flood insurance because we're in Florida? You know, all of those things. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. Right. So, it, it can get pricey. However, it's not for everyone. And I totally acknowledge that. But it is something that my husband and I really thought about. And so now we're working towards it. And every time we get stressed about earning the money for it or putting, thinking about going to a realtor and all that stuff, we just go, okay, this is what we decided we wanted. And this is why. And and we just kind of keep, keep moving forward.
0: Speaking of couples money can be like a really hot button issue, obviously in relationships. And, and I always hear stories of, you know, one person's a saver and one person's a spender. And I feel like a lot of people don't talk about that stuff, like kind of, early on, right? You kind of figure, oh, we'll work it out. But do you, and since you guys talk about making, like integrating money in your life and trying not to separate it, do you have any advice or tips on how couples can kind of set themselves up for success in the beginning? Because I know from me, personal experience, it's like, because I have debt, like there's, and there is that shame or there was a shame around it. For a long time I didn't want to let anybody know like that I had debt or like that somehow made me like less of a partner mm. because I, you know, <laughs> carried a credit yep. card balance. And I we're like, like yep, surprised <laughs> had to take out a cat, right? Like had to take out a student loan, which it's funny how like everybody has to do that nowadays. But there's still that like shame around the debt that you owe on. But yeah, like, do you have any advice or we can talk about just kind of how to right out of the gate, kind of just be a little bit more either upfront about your money issues or your debt in a relationship?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if that person truly loves and respects you, they're going to be okay if you talk about something that feels really shameful. Like, you know, with my husband and I, we both had a little bit of debt before we got married. And for me, it was really important that I be debt free before we did. And so I I told my husband, I'm like, I don't have a lot of debt. I still have a little bit of student debt. And I just want to make sure that I am debt free. This is just something that I don't want to burden you with. Right. For some people, they're totally OK with marrying into debt or, you know, having debt, even like getting married and, and help having the spouse or your partner pay for it. And so those are the conversations that do need to happen, because at the end of the day, yes, it's money issues, but it's also a communication and trust issue as well right if you're not if you're too scared to tell your partner about the debt think about is it because of the shame you're feeling then maybe start just talking about the shame or is it some is it like a bigger thing is it really like a trust issue and if it is and that obviously needs to be addressed before you commit to that person so something i really like to recommend to everyone that gets really nervous talking about money is start with the life goal Um, So for example, the house, it it started off talking about, do we want to buy a house or do we want to keep renting? Then it was, okay, what area do we want to live in? And then once we really honed down on where we wanted to purchase a house and how big it looked like, and, and if we wanted a yard, then money came into it. And it was easier because there was a common ground of we want to buy a house and now we want to work together to buy the house. Um, there was a, we had a really great guest, Andy Hill uh, from the Marriage, Kids and Money podcast, he came on to talk about him and his wife and, and he was a saver and she was a spender. And so he was like, oh, if I just give her like a Dave Ramsey book, or if I give her this, like she'll totally be convinced, right? <laughs> yeah, not the case. And so what he found out was what does she want? Like, what is her what is one of her life goals? And so one of her life goals, or one of her goals was to become a stay at home mom. And he goes, Okay, that's the angle I'm going to go in. And so that's what they started talking about was if you want to stay home with our future kids, what are our finances going to look like? Or what does it need to look like? And so she did let go, I think of a BMW. Um, if I recall, and so she, she like, she was like, slowly working towards being more frugal. And now mm-hmm. she is a stay at home mom. And she loves it. And it, it didn't start with money. It started with some sort of life um, event.
0: Yeah, I like that, the shared goal. Because I think also the thing that I found too is so many times like we beat ourselves up about stuff that we wouldn't do that to other people, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, you know, for debt example, for example, like I, you know, could think like, oh my gosh, I've got this debt and this person's like, I don't want to tell this person about this debt. But when I flip the script and kind of say, like, well, what if this person came to me and was like, I feel really bad about this debt? Like, how, you know, would I beat them up? Would I be like, yeah, you're a terrible person. <laughs> you really should have managed your finances better. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think so many times we do that to ourselves and we beat ourselves up in a way that we would never do to our loved ones. Mm-hmm. And just, I think that sometimes having that perspective is helpful too.
1: Yeah. It's all about just, it's hard. and. Yeah. Yeah, I still do this too, but it's really trying to remove the story that you placed on that on that decision, right? Like it, like so. Let's talk debt, right? Like, okay, yes, you. Let's say you racked up fifty thousand dollars worth of student loan debt. You're gonna feel like, oh my gosh, why didn't I go to a cheaper school? But you can remove if you can remove that emotion. Say, okay, I spent fifty thousand dollars on a great um, education that now leads me to earn, let's say, six figures, right? So that's. That should be the story that you tell yourself. Try to remove the emotion out of it of like, how could I have done this? Because again, like hindsight's twenty twenty. you didn't know, you didn't know what you know now when you made that decision. Yeah.
0: It's funny because that's definitely been one of my things because I went to USC, moved from New York to Los Angeles to attend college and majored in theater. And so I look back, there's been so long and I kind of joke about it, but there is still, I'm still working on this issue of like, I cannot believe I spent all that money on a theater degree and I don't work in theater. Like I, you know what I mean? Like I I sometimes, even now, and I have to kind of stop myself when I'm making the, you know, the student loan payment of the like, why didn't I major in something that I could have, you know, earned more money right away? Or like I could have maybe paid this debt off sooner, that sort of thing. Because I didn't like straight out of the gate, I left college and I didn't work in entertainment. I went to work in politics. And so there's a part of me who's like, why didn't I major in communications or political science? Or And so it's only been recently that I've kind of made myself stop doing that when I'm making the payment or um, even thinking about that debt and kind of turning around and be like, okay, think about right to your point about like something good about that money or the different experiences that I had while I was there. And because of, you know, because I majored in theater and because I did certain things, it's like, okay, start thinking about that because it definitely is something that for a long time, I was just like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe I'm still paying for (laughs) (laughs) this theater degree and then not to not have worked in theater at all.
1: I think people out there will totally appreciate your honesty. I think a lot of people feel that way. Sometimes I feel that way about my liberal arts degree, but I think the more we can have these conversations, the more it can open up that, dialogue of like, okay, we're not alone. Like I'm not the only one that made a, you know, quote unquote mistake about my choice of college, or I bought that um, TV on credit. Now I'm still paying for years later. Like I think we, I think having those conversations as many, as much as possible will probably help you get out of your head. And this is myself include help myself get out of my head and just realize, okay, at the end of the day, is it really that big of a deal? Like, yes, student loan debt is a, like, can be a lot. I get it. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, is it really that big of a deal? I can have, af- most of us can afford it. If we can't, there's, um, you know, for federal loans, I think there's like a income repayment yeah. plan, you know, things like that. So it's really one of those, like, there's always a solution to whatever you're looking for. I think it's just, if we can somehow remove the shame and the negative emotions, it'll help us clear our minds to find what they, what those are.
0: And I loved your, you know, talking about rewriting stories, right? Like not only about like the money that you spent, but also I think just so many people will say like, oh, I'm bad at money or I can't manage my money. Like that, that's the story that you're telling yourself. And maybe changing that is also a big part of this, right? Is like change your overall mm-hmm. money script or your money story. Because I know that's been a big thing for me. Like that's been something that I struggle with is kind of reminding myself like, oh, right, this is just a story I tell myself. That's not actually true.
1: Yeah, so I mean, okay, take me for example, I don't have a finance degree, I actively ran away from any finance related pro, you know, degree or profession. And here I am in that industry. And how I did it was somebody hired to write an article, I went and researched it, or I interview people on the topic. And so I am now known as a real estate and banking expert, because I've written so many articles on the topic. I mean, if you were to ask me right now what the best uh, bank account is for your personal needs. I could probably rattle off like all of the fine print because <laughs> that's how much I know, right? But if you think about it, like I learned this along the way. It took me years, of course, to learn it, but it was it was really because I was willing and open to do it. Yes, I got paid, but I, I was one who decided, okay, fine, I'll I'll take on these articles mm-hmm. for these clients, or I'll do some research for this person. Like those are the things I've actively decided to do. So if you are you know, bad with money right now, it doesn't mean you're going to be in the future. You know, if you're willing to be curious and open minded about learning about what you need to know, then I think you could totally change that story. Yeah.
0: Well, you, so you created an adult coloring book called Ching. Yes. <laughs> and um, so I want to talk a about, so I know like shame and like we're, we're talking about shame and forgiveness and all these kind of heavy things. But I want to talk a little bit about that, like the adult coloring book and also like what it, so what inspired you to create that book? Oh
1: gosh, a few things. Number one, I just needed a creative outlet. I was so intent on getting as much work as possible. This was when I first started full-time freelance writing. And so I was getting really stressed out trying to get clients and writing about all these very serious topics. And I thought, okay, I just need a break from it. And what can I do that's fun? And so I've always liked drawing. So, okay, let me do something with this. And then I think that was right at the height of the coloring book, adult coloring book trend. If I recall, this is a a couple of years ago. And so I was doing research on Amazon. I'm like, no one's really making anything fun about money. Like, wouldn't that be a great, like, wouldn't that be fun project? Like give myself 30 days and see if I can publish a coloring book. And so that was just a challenge I set for myself was like, can I do this in 30 days? And that's, that's actually what I did. And when I did that, I'm like, oh, I can publish it. Sure. Why not? And so i stuck it up on Amazon and people love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome. And i like, I love that idea. Cause I feel like, right. Like we're, like I said, we're talking about shame and forgiveness and just all these really heavy things. So the idea that like, oh, there's this coloring book and you can do something that's a little bit more fun, right. So the make. It makes money seem a little bit more fun. The mindset stuff seem just a little bit more fun. And I love it just because like the other coloring books are really the adult ones, like for like meditation or like, you know, like these like big flowery mm-hmm. things that are just really intimidating <laughs> to me. But I love your book because it just seems more accessible for me. and And I just mm-hmm. want to talk a little bit about like what the role that fun does play in kind of money matters and mindset and just kind of letting yourself have a little bit more fun with money or money matters, I guess, like things around money.
1: It's so funny that people don't necessarily put fun and money in the same sentence, yeah. <laughs> unless we' let's say won the
0: lottery or something right, <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> I think I don't want to say like I don't blame sight, but I feel like the messages we do receive and and it could be growing up or it could be watching the news or reading newspapers or magazines is that money this is a very, very serious thing, right? there's all this jargon, we have to like do so
0: much paperwork, Well, I think too, right, like seeing. But as a kid, right, there's so many times we see our parents stressed yeah. about money, right? Like, that's kind of mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the, the thing that you see as a kid, like, right, they're stressed about bills or they're stressed about this and buying new shoes for school. Like,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: That's not the message you usually get.
1: Yeah. And because it's money is very serious thing that provides shelter and security, right? So when you feel like you don't have that or cannot provide you with that, then you get really freaked out. And so, something I do to make money a little bit more fun is to just again—it's just to be really grateful for what I have. Um, something I do, people think it's totally strange, is I go, okay, I'm going to give myself an arbitrary budget. So let me give myself a thousand dollars, and I'm going to go to the travel agency, not um, online, or go on um, orbits.com and just like let me build up my dream vacation <laughs> like with this thousand dollars, and it. Kind of distracts me, lets me fantasize about a vacation, and then I get really creative. Like sometimes I'll be like, okay, instead of a a, a thousand, can I do $500? Or, no, man, I'm going to go all up today. I'm going to do $10,000. And so, like, I do that stuff on occasion just to remind myself that I do have the power to um, spend money in a really fun way. I mean, I don't have (laughs) $10,000 lying around for a vacation. But if I found a really cool one for $500, like I already planned the trip. I just have to go and say, like, "Hey, to my husband, look what I did. Can we find five dollars t- for this awesome yeah. vacation?" And then it makes me feel really good. Like, oh man, I did. I did this work. Like, it's. I feel very satisfied knowing that I have this capability to do something really fun with money. And so maybe that's. You don't have to do what I do, but maybe there's some way where you can, maybe even buy a gift for somebody, pay it forward. Maybe buy a twenty five dollar gift card at Starbucks, and then everybody that comes after you gets free Starbucks. Do something fun like that. I think if you just find some way to remove yourself from how I guess serious money can be, like do something good for somebody else, it it kind of again gets you out of your own head and makes it a little bit more fun.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So we are now hard to believe at the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, <laughs> so, I have no idea where this year went. It's been it's been a busy one, and so I know like a lot of folks, and myself included, will be writing New Year's resolutions and goals for the new year. What are some common money resolutions that you see, and which ones you see and that you kind of feel like people should be focusing on instead? So, let like we can talk a little bit about first, like which ones you see people make a lot of the time, and like whether or not they're good or bad. Mm.
1: So. In general, what I find that people just make very vague goals, like "oh, I'm gonna earn more money" or "I'm gonna save more money." Like that, those are the things that I hear people say a lot. Or "oh man, I spent way too much this year on dining out. I'm gonna stop going out altogether." So it's almost like an all or nothing type of goal, um, or it's a very vague one. And so to do the all or nothing goal is not gonna yeah. work. <laughs> if you like, let's say you let's say you like going out and you do want to you do want to spend less on dining out. That's fine. But maybe just don't eliminate it. Maybe find some way to cut it back. And so a goals goals that I really like to make are what I call gradual goals. And so start off with something. So work backwards. So let's let's go with a dining example. So let's say you go out four days a week and you want to just cut it down to one day a week. So how can now can can you work backwards? So instead of stopping all of the going out right to one day a week, can you start slowly going three days a week and then see how you feel and then two days a week. And then maybe in between you can find some way to replace that habit of always going out. Maybe instead of going out, you get um, one of those meal delivery kits. Or you can go to the supermarket and buy a pre-made meal. So what are some ways you can sort of make the transition a little bit smoother to get to your ultimate goal? If that makes sense. No, that's great. Yeah. Cause I think I think if I think people think like making a goal and they whatever the goal they make, that's it. It's unfortunately not how it works. Like I've done that in the past where I'm like, I am not eating sugar Great. That's a great goal. Right. But guess what? I still eat sugar. <laughs> I really like sugar. <laughs> right. I really like sugar. And that's, again, that's okay. Like it's, it's okay to acknowledge where you're at and where you want to go. But in the in-between the in part, you got to give yourself some grace because if not, that that goal's not going to stick.
0: Yeah. And I think, right, you said to happen with everything, like you are saying, like with food or exercise, like I'm going to work out five times a week. And it's like, oh, you might miss, you know, a couple of days. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, forget it. Right. Like instead of just saying, saying, okay, I'm going to, you know, Mm -hmm. add another workout each week or I'm going to, you know, up my time, right. I'm going to up my walk instead of walking for 20 minutes. I'm going to walk for 40 minutes. Like I love the idea of gradual goals because it is especially in the beginning of the year, right. Everyone's so lofty and they're going to, again, without putting a plan in place, I'm going to pay off debt or I'm going to, yeah, like you said, I'm just going to save more instead of putting like an actual number on that and then kind of backing into like, Mm -hmm. what what is your plan? What, What does that mean each week? for what you're going to save? And how are you going to save? Right to your point, like, does that mean not going out as much? And how are you, (laughs) how are you going to do that?
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, let's, let's talk about financial goals. So you do want to save more, like Mm. why? Is it to pay off debt? Is it you want to go on a vacation? Is it you want to buy a house? So getting clear on that will help you as well. Something else I like to do, because I'm, I'm pretty lazy by nature. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest about that. And, and I do. And I think the more opportunities you give yourself to say no to something, the more likely it'll happen. So let's say you, you, said, you want to save $5,000 in 2019. That's great. And you decided you want to set aside $100 each paycheck to do it. And if you give yourself the opportunity to say no, that means you are actually manually depositing that $100 into your account, you're most likely going to find some reason not to do it or you forget life happens. So instead maybe automatically transfer that $100. So you don't even miss it, right? You make that decision once and it it kind of like snowballs. It kind of happens every single paycheck. Or if you want to eat out less, maybe once a week, you make sure that there is, I don't know, frozen pizza or some sort of microwavable meal. So if you come home and you're like, I'm too tired. I don't feel like cooking. Great. I have a pizza. I can stick in the oven for 10 minutes. And that eliminates really any um, excuse or opportunity for you to go, okay, I'm going to order takeout or I'm going to go out to eat.
0: Oh, that's a great idea. Because I definitely fall into that tra- trap of the, like, I'll do a bunch of grocery shopping and then it's like, oh, I don't have anything. It's like, well, no, you do. You know, you have this stuff. You can, you have that frozen pizza. That's definitely a staple in my house.
1: <laughs> yeah. And if, I was going to say, I hate cutting vegetables. I mean, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm better with it now. I feel a greater, but I hate it. And so- it's okay for me to spend the extra, I don't know, 50 cents for a bag of shredded carrots because the extra 50 cents is going to save me $30 at a restaurant. Yeah, because you're actually going to use, make something. Yeah. And again, it's like money is personal. So don't feel bad if you're, if you are buying some of the pre made stuff. It's okay. If, if you know that that's going to prevent you from doing something that you don't want to, sorry, will regret later, then it's perfectly okay. I mean, I'm not a big fan of frozen pizza, but I do know that. That is way better than getting my son in the car seat, driving, like my husband and driving, you know, like risk. Hopefully he doesn't have a tantrum at the restaurant, like, you know, all of that, all that stuff, right?
0: Oh my gosh, absolutely. Well, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? And it could be about money or it could be about, you know, just life advice, but what's a piece of advice that you, um, that you really treasure?
1: Oh my goodness. So, something that somebody told me the other week was that I think I was going on about, like, oh, I'm not doing enough in my career and, you know, all the things. And she's like, Have you ever actually looked back and see all of the things you did starting at the very beginning of your career? She's like, Do you remember how much you actually got paid per article and how much do you get paid now? And so I actually went back to my invoices and I got, Oh my gosh, like, I've, I've effectively raised my income to probably like five times what I used to make. And I was shocked. I mean, I was shocked. I was like, oh my gosh, like why Why did I not realize this? And so it's not necessarily a piece of advice, but it's one of those things where like maybe it is. it's okay to stop and smell the roses. Or if you ever feel like you are so stressed out with where you are now, look back because you clearly are where you wanted to be five years ago. Yes. And so whenever I get really stressed now, I go, okay, I'm going to look back at what I used to charge or I'm going to look back at like, I don't know, maybe my old yoga routine or something like that and go, oh, like what I was working towards five years ago is where I'm at now. This is pretty freaking awesome.
0: Yeah, I think so often, right, people are so busy kind of looking at the next goal, the next goal, right, the next accomplishment which is great if it like, if that's what motivates you on, but we kind of forget like all the, yeah, like where either where we started or like all the things big and small that we've accomplished in, you know, whether it's the last year or the last five years. So I love that idea of kind of looking back. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for, for waking up early and talking to me this morning. <laughs> Where can folks find you? Feel free to come over to beyondthedollar.co.
1: So there are articles and podcasts if you enjoy listening. Um, you can hit me up on Twitter at Sarah Lee Kane or Instagram at BeyondTheDollar.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you loved what you heard, please subscribe, share with your friends, or leave a review on iTunes. As we grow the show, I would love to hear from you. What damn thing did you accomplish this week? Is there a topic you're dying for me to explore on the show? Be sure to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at DoTheDamnThingShow, and let me know. I can't wait to connect with you and hear all about the action you're taking in your life. In the meantime, get out there and do the damn thing.